Hey everybody, welcome to the 23 Podcast. Michael Pupp is here with our good friend and pastor, Father Herb. It's good to be with all of you as we get ready for the sixth Sunday of Easter. Hi, Father Herb. Hello, Michael, and hello everyone else out there. Once again, we... Be with you. Once again, we are live on Facebook as we record this. So again, thanks to everybody joining us on Facebook today. Father, as you know, some weeks I like to ask you one of our social media questions of the week or of the day. By the way, this is not rehearsed. I don't know what the question is. No, I like to catch you off guard as much as possible. So one of the questions that we asked last week was, what's one of your um, favorite or like secretly, like you don't want people to know because it's kind of embarrassing, uh, children's songs that you like? Well, people have asked me those things, but I don't remember. I mean, I remember, obviously, as a kid, I sang songs. I still sing. I don't know that I would have anything I'd be afraid to tell people. I I remember learning some songs in school. Uh, I was very excited. I can remember. Now, this is making a little shift, but I in those days, Mass was in Latin, and the second graders had to sing the entire Latin Mass. We had to learn it for First Holy Communion. Really? Including the glory to God in the highest, Gloria. Uh, and this is the cool one, and including the creed. We would sing the creed. So I had the entire, um, it was Gregorian chant, but I had it all memorized, and I, I would sing that. You know, nowadays kids just have to memorize Baby Shark. It's much easier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. somebody took took the melody of the Baby Shark song and wrote a mass, well, at least a Lamb of God to it. It went like this. Lamb of God, do, 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 do. Lamb of God, do, 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 do. It just keeps going and going. We're not going to use it. Don't worry. Uh, no, no, that doesn't quite fit. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. I know you're not listening to a lot of children's songs these, these days. So I bet, I bet you listen to more. We have quite a few. Although the funny thing is at our house, I've, I have the girls pretty much trained that we listen to classical music in the mornings and jazz music at dinner time. And so now Emery will say, uh, can we listen to some jazz music, please? <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I love that. Yeah, that's We're great. We're really culturing them. I, I want to ask a question for everybody who's listening. Sure. Sure. Now, you might have to be of a certain age. Does anybody remember the anthologies that we used to have in grade school and probably junior high, middle school, maybe even into high school? The anthologies for English class uh, that included some poetry, maybe excerpts from uh, short stories. I remember there was one series that was called Prose and Poetry. Prose and poetry. Mm-hmm. Of course, as kids, we call it frozen poetry, but prose and poetry. And now frozen has taken on a very new meaning. Totally, yes. But anyway, I'm looking for these anthologies. Uh, I'd like to find them, and I don't want to spend money. You know, I'm sure online you can find anything. But if anybody has access or they know a school that never threw away all of those old books, and they are old. We're talking 60 years past. Um, but I, I would be very interested if somebody can find one of those or give me a lead. Uh, some of the poetry was good. I, I do love poetry. I love to quote things. Um, and I don't do it just to impress you, Michael. But uh, I, I love because some of these just uh, – they ring a bell for me. There, there's a certain message that I like to hang on to. All right. I'm going to get you a pipe and a Sherlock Holmes hat, and then you can play detective to track these things down. Okay. Sounds good. I, can I be your Watson? 
You oh, by all means, my dear Watson. Okay, <laughs> so here we, we are. Would, Go ahead. Yeah. Would you like to get into the scriptures for this week? That I was just about to go there. Would you like okay. to get into the scriptures for this week? I was just about to go there. Okay. Now we've been reading. This is the year of Matthew, right? Say yes. Yes. It's year A. There's A, B, C, Matthew, Mark, Luke. But John's gospel gets inserted quite a bit during Lent and Easter. So we've been reading from John, and we will for just another week this coming Sunday. After that, we're going to celebrate the Feast of the Ascension. Then it's back to Matthew. So in John's gospel last week, I introduced or reintroduced the – the uh, farewell discourse, the final discourse in John's Gospel, chapter 14. Sure. How many chapters, Michael? 14, 15, 16, 17. Very good. I pay attention. Well, you heard that a number of times. How many times have I told you that? At least 15. So this picks up right where last week left off. And last week he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Have faith in God. You have faith in God. Have faith also in me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He speaks to Thomas. He speaks to Philip. This week it goes on, and this is really cool. I, I, there's a couple of things that are just going to jump out. Um, Michael, would you like to do the honors of reading the gospel? Sure, I'd love to. So as Father said, we're in John chapter 14, verses 15 to 21. Jesus said to his disciples, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you always, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot accept because it neither sees nor knows him, but you know him, because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. In a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, because I live and you will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and observes them is the one who loves me, and whoever loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and reveal myself to him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I have to tell you, it's it's amazing to me how frequently uh, Jesus talks about his relationship with the Father. Mm. You know, I am in the Father, the Father is in me. And it, it seems like, why does it keep getting emphasized over and over? And... Remember the audience. John's Gospel's audience is primarily Greek. And and the Greeks had many gods. And so he's, he's reminding them that there is only one God. Now, he's the son of God, but this relationship is that uh, we are monotheists. You know, we believe in one God. Sure. And so he has to continue this that, that, uh, explanation like, yes, the Father and I are one. I'm in the Father. The Father's in me. I will send the Spirit, but it's the Spirit of God. Yeah. But we yeah. are one. And I think, uh, you know, in two weeks, we're going to have Pentecost. Well, yeah, in two weeks, we'll have Pentecost. And the week after that, Holy Trinity. And that's when we try to explain something that we can't really explain. <laughs> However, uh, it's already reminding us. It's already remind the readings are already reminding us of that tight relationship. Our, our doctrine of Trinity is, I believe, in one God, three persons in one God. I think we often emphasize the three persons and not the oneness. Sure. So that's why the gospel so often is 
about the, especially John's gospel. He says, I am in the father, the father's in me. It's the unity, the, the unity that's, as I tried to explain last week, is, is the unity of love. Now, the two new elements introduced this week that we didn't have last week is the one where Jesus says, I'm going to send another advocate. Both words, another and advocate. Yeah. So both parts. Now, what what is I'm going to put you on the spot. What is an ad? What is an advocate for you? And do you have an advocate? Well, I was just I was. That's funny that you said that because I was just thinking about the choice of that word. I know obviously here it's been translated into English, but you know to advocate for someone is more than just to support them or to um, love them. It's to actively defend them and to. Uh, to take their side, to rally behind them, to, I'm trying to come up with as many, uh, synonyms as I can, but you know, it's, it, it, it's so action oriented. It's not passive to advocate for somebody to be an advocate. You cannot be passive when doing that. Uh, totally. It, uh, it's, it, uh, in this little booklet, it says the term means someone who is called to another's aid, like a defense attorney, who will stand beside the client. Uh, the advocate advises, mediates, intercedes, and comforts. Oh, that's good. We could do a whole podcast on those four words right there. Say that again. Yeah. Say those four words again. Well, I didn't write this. Uh, I'm reading somebody else's words. <laughs> advises. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we, we need advice. Remember that. You need advice. <laughs> Usually I go to you for that. I need advice. And sometimes I go to you. Yeah. <laughs> Mediates. I love that. Kind of the, uh, you know, you go to somebody else in your name. Uh, how many times we've done that with mothers? You know, uh, dad is not agreeing with something. So you say, hey, mom, can you get dad to agree that I, I need a car when I turn 16? You know, when you yeah. use, <laughs> when I turn 16, <laughs> when I use the word mediate, I think of my days as a resident advisor at, in college you know, you we would, you were for a couple of years, right? Yeah, for two years, and they would train us on mediation between residents, particularly usually roommates. Roommates, that, yeah. You know, when you live together, when you're stuck in a room together, uh, that's the size of you know big enough for a futon and two beds. Um, sometimes problems arise, and so they would train us on how to actually go in and sit down and mediate between roommates to help resolve conflicts. So I always think of that, and. Um, there were definitely good experiences and bad experiences doing that. But as the, as the one who mediates, you don't ever really take a side, right? You're not. And, you know, I think that's a correct use of the word mediate, but here I think it's more like the person in between you and some other authority or some other force. So it's like, if you mediate, you are the one bridging the connection sure. you're you're sure. you're making a connection for somebody uh intercedes and we often talk about intercessory prayers right uh, and comforts and that's one of my favorite images of the holy spirit is the comforter uh, but like the a other big blanket like a big blanket now the, <laughs> the other the other term uh, or the other word i should say was another advocate so Jesus says, we're going to send another advocate. Yeah, you know, yeah. I noticed that today, too, as I was preparing. You'd be proud of me. I prepared. 
Okay, good. Uh, and I was wondering, you know, that word of another advocate, what's what's the use of that? Why is that in there? Well, the, uh, the another is Jesus referring to himself. Right. I've been your advocate, and there's going to be another advocate. I mean, it's as simple as that. Yeah. Like, he's yeah. not saying, well, I was just your teacher, and I was just the one who multiplied loaves and fishes. No, he also was the advocate in the name of the, his, his people, sure. the ones he chose. He helped uh, comfort them. And certainly the, the mass we had this morning uh, at, at church, this is Tuesday that we're recording this, and we had the mass in a time of pandemic, which is a uh, a mass in time of need. But it was with the scripture readings all take came from an, um, a special a mass option that we have in the big missile, in time of need. But the prayers were written especially for this time, universally throughout the world, for a mass during this time of pandemic. Yeah. So uh, we, we've been asked to have a mass during the course of this week. So I chose to do it this morning. And it was very powerful for me to read these prayers that are being read by people, inter intercessory for sure. sure. but. In the name of the church, appealing to God, uh, people are saying these prayers around the world, and that we are in a time of need. If you'd like to catch uh, any of those readings or the the special prayers for the Mass, that Mass is on our Facebook page. You can go back and watch it, uh, or it's also archived on the on the website on the Watch Live page. So if you missed that this morning, you're welcome to go back and, and watch how, that. How long, how long is that on the uh, website? Uh, th until Sunday, and then it gets wiped out. And that, <laughs> that sounds so permanent. Uh, then it gets uh, shelved. It gets shelved. Yeah, that's a nice word. Yes, it gets made invisible. <laughs> okay. Poof. Uh, poof. Okay. Now, okay. So I said there's two things we're introducing. One is the word advocate. So Jesus says, "I'm not going to leave you alone. My advocate, another advocate, will be with with you." That's got to be very consoling. If the master that you have been following and is telling you he's departing, and but by the way, I'm I'm still with you, yeah. my yeah. advocate. And I I have found that people don't don't have a, a way to grasp the Holy Spirit, and I have found it helps for me a whole lot when I say Jesus is sending His Spirit, or the Spirit of God. You know. Uh, it, again, what I said was God is one, so it's a reminder. It's not like He's calling, hey, hey, Holy Spirit, come on over and fill in for me. It's it's more like an extension of himself. And uh, for that reason, uh, we we don't want to see the Holy Spirit as sort of just hanging out there waiting for, you know, the relief pitcher coming in uh, when the other pitcher has is taken out of the game. I was uh, thinking about when you when you said that ESPN has been doing I'm about to make a sports reference this is the first time in history uh ESPN has been doing this great documentary on the Chicago Bulls in the 90s and kind of Michael Jordan's career oh yeah with a lot of controversy about Mike, Michael Jordan's interviews you mean well just his different interviews and kind of his career and the ups and the downs and and all of that uh but you know it was talking about after Michael Jordan retired the first time how it finally gave Scottie Pippen the um, opportunity to step up and really, you know, shine on the court. Yeah, he's the he's the advocate. I, I always liked Scottie Pippen. But you that's guys another. are you guys are friends. 
No, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Now the other the other image that's presented in this reading that is really really important is Jesus says, "I will not leave you orphans." Uh, I'm an orphan. I've been calling you Annie lately. <laughs> well, you know, usually that's what we think of any orphan. Is it orphan Annie? Orphan Annie, orphan, or, orphan, little orphan Annie, orphan Annie. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah there are orphans from childhood. My, I was what, almost fifty or so when my mother died, uh, close to fifty. Uh-huh. Uh, my dad had died a couple years before. But you, I've learned no matter how old you are, no matter how old your parents are, when the second parent dies, you feel orphaned. Uh, you're not living there with them anymore. They're not providing food on the table for you. But they are the comforter. They are often signs of wisdom. They are ones who uh, – you can, I've certainly found this with my mother in later years. I could just talk over many, many things. Mm. And she would advise me here or there, but very small things, very small things. And uh, But it's mostly just that other person as a sounding board. And, and sometimes they just had the ability to put things in perspective, like even take a pandemic. My parents lived with through the pandemic of 1918. Now – I don't recall talking to her much about it, but if she were here now, I could. So you keep thinking, oh, yeah, that helps us put things into a bigger perspective. you got to take the long view. Right. How old would they have been during that during pandemic? My dad was born in 1899, so he was already wow. – yeah, so he was a late teenager by the time of the pandemic. He was working uh, probably in the fields, but he was working. He was employed. Uh, my mother was born in 1907. So she was probably still in school. They went to the eighth grade in those days. Mm-hmm. And um, But the, what was interesting, they were both among the youngest in their families. So they had older brothers and older sisters. And each of my parents had an older brother in World War I. So as they came home from the war, they were much more conscious of what was going on in the world. And so they both parents were very aware of the the flu that was out there, sure, and how severe it was. Yeah, you know, I I remember even when you when our kids, you know, when we had just Audrey, and you know, the first time she gets sick, you call your parents because you're not really sure what to do. You've never been through this before. You know, it's it's one of those things where, but you remember, you know, your mom. I remember my mom taking care of me whenever I was sick. So of course, I'm going to call her and ask her what I what the heck I'm supposed to do. So so the concept of being orphaned, you have to have somebody. And that's actually a very close image, that person you have being close to the co- concept of advocate. So Jesus is saying the same thing in two different ways. I'm not going to leave you orphaned. I'm not deserting you. And maybe that's what I think a lot of people feel. They, uh, they feel deserted. They, um, there's anger out there. We all know this. Mm. There's anger about having to stay home there's anger about people going out too soon sure there there's anger about uh, uh towards governors towards congress towards the bishops towards the pastors there's anger towards stores that open too soon anger towards stores that don't open soon enough um and 
I think sometimes the anger is because people feel orphaned. They feel helpless. They feel like there's nobody guiding them. And of course, we're always going to have different opinions. You know, you you put five people in a room and you're going to come up with about eight different opinions. Uh, It just happens. But right now you go, we have to be careful because the anger is going to control people. And anger is not where we should make our choices and decisions. Sure. And, you know, I think, through the eyes of faith, through our faith and through what we're called to do as a result of our faith, you know, we need to be patient, peace-filled, peace loving, you know, all of those things um, that Jesus exemplified so well in times of crisis. You know, when the rubber meets the road, it's easy to say, well, yep, I'm a Christian. Oh, I, I, uh, I go to church. You know, I love Jesus. But we have to also put that into to action in the way that we yeah. treat people. I wrote a note to myself as I was going through this earlier because I prepare as well. And yeah, uh, somebody does. I think the overarching attitude we have to have during this time is selflessness, not what I want. And even if what people want is very good, like I want to receive communion again, I want the Eucharist, I want to be back in the community, I want to be in the church building, I want to be able to go out for a cup of coffee, I want to meet my friends. Mm -hmm. Those are not bad things, but we have to be selfless and we have to be able to say, it's more important for me to be able to protect people. It's more important for me to look at this, you know, okay, big deal. We have been homebound for two or three months. Um, that's that's probably the longest in some people's mind. Sure. And sometimes their homes seem to be closing in on them. I understand that. However, if you're 70 years old, what's two or three months? And if it really has something to do with your longevity or your health or the health of your friends or neighbors – can we go four or five months or six months? You know, we, we have to think bigger because we're, we're here for the, the big picture, the common good. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not just trying to protect myself from uh, some sort of infection, coronavirus. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make sure that I'm not a carrier. I don't want to hurt anybody else. But I'm also looking at that bigger picture of saying, how can we make sure that everybody can be healthy and uh, grow through this, not just survive, but actually grow? And maybe we grow in selflessness. You know, in, in some ways, too, this gospel reading this Sunday is a great reminder that, you know, in normal times and in hard times, we are not alone. That Jesus does not leave us orphaned, either literally or figuratively, that he has sent an advocate that we receive at baptism, that is strengthened within us at confirmation, um, that, you know, that... But but is ongoingly, ongoingly, I think I just made up a word, an ongoingly present. Uh, The Spirit of Christ is with us. Now, I agree we're not alone, but... We also have to be careful that we don't just say, I'm not alone and kind of, uh, oh, that's good. I, you know, I got my secret friend. Right. It's more, it, we're, we're, we're not alone in the sense that we have been entrusted with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. We are now empowered. We are the body of Christ as a community of faith. 
we have to make a difference in the world. And so, yes, we're not alone, but it's not just Jesus and me or the Holy Spirit in me. It's much bigger. Sure. Well, that's a great way to end this week's episode of the 23 Podcast for the sixth Sunday of Easter. Next week, the Ascension. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. I think I will rise to the occasion. Oh. Oh. Let's use that joke again next week. Okay, God bless. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time on the 23 Podcast.